Good morning. We are glad you're here. And you know what's great is to see so many people here. I was standing up there, I'm going, this is a full crowd. I mean, we're not allowed to be like person, every person, every person, right? And so we're not that, but we are, it's a good group here. Thank you for coming back and being a part of our church. And if you're still at home, online, come on back to church. We're here. The body of Christ exists here on 4th Avenue at 1030 on Sunday morning. And we are glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. If you're a visitor, we welcome you. We have some information for you in the back. There's a welcome center back there. There's a lot happening in the lobby today. So just be reminded that if you have a spiritual need after church, walk forward. If you have other things you want to learn about the church, walk into the lobby and see all the things that are going on. And you can learn all about our church and some of the things I'm going to be talking about today. But do not go to the back until you've come to the front if you need to come to the front and pray afterwards. There'll be people here, they pray in multiple languages, so if you have a language and you wanna pray in your own language, there'll be people here, I'm sure, that know your language and can pray with you as well, and thank you for those teams that do it. So, these few weeks that are in between, we just got back from Singapore two weeks ago, and I wanted to do a three-week study on some of the things we do here at church that we talk a lot about, yet we don't explain a lot about. And so there's three things in particular. One we talked about last week, which is City Lead, and we talked all about that, so you got to know about that. If you weren't here, you can listen to that sermon, or you can go to citylead.com and get all the information of one of the ministries of our church. Today, we're gonna to talk about World Lead, which we have been talking a lot about, and I'll share that in just a moment. And then next week, we're gonna talk about Church Lead, which is our discipleship, process here at our church. We're going to talk about that and kind of understand what that is. That's one of our newest initiatives here at church. So that'll be next week. And then we'll get off into other things as we head towards Thanksgiving and towards Christmas and the great holy days that are coming before us. But I'd like to share about World Lead. World Lead is the missions strategy of Boca Raton Community Church. You hear World Lead and it sounds like it's huge. And I'll describe it in a few moments but it emanated from right here at Boca Raton Community Church. Let me give you a little background of it before I give you the theology of it. And that is, before I became a pastor, Elizabeth and I were married and we were in business and we were very uh, integrated into missions. We love missions. Why? Because both our parents, sets of parents, were into missions themselves. My parents in particular, because I grew up my dad told me and my mom when I was 11 years old, it was when TV news was starting to come about. You guys don't remember this, but that was back in the 1970s. Before, it was all newspapers and radio and guys like Walter Cronkite and all these people, David Brinkley and Chet Huntley. And remember those guys' names? You remember them? Yeah, you don't. You don't remember. These are like, you read this in media history. We lived it. Well, news started coming on, you were watching news, and especially because it was the Vietnam War time, and so news, war was right in your lap for the first time ever. My dad said something to me, he said, I don't want you to see the world through other people's eyes, which is what we were doing on TV. He said, I want you to see it through your own eyes. So my dad and mom took my sister and me, it was just two of us, and every summer we traveled the world. I'm talking about the whole world. We were everywhere, in the Amazon jungles, in Africa, in the Middle East, in the Far East, in the Southeast Asia, 
in all over. We went everywhere. During the Cold War, we were in Eastern Bloc countries and looking at communism, the whole thing. He said, I want you to see it. When I turned 18, of course, went to college, he kind of said, if you want to keep doing this, do it on your own. You're on your own now, do it. And we kept doing, we got married and all of a sudden missions. I love seeing what God is doing all over the world. He's doing amazing things. We have this parochial view that missions is headquartered in the United States. Like the world mission movement is the United States, used to be England, now it's the United States. Can I tell you that's wrong? The movement of world missions is where the Holy Spirit is. It's the Holy Spirit, and where the Holy Spirit is, there's missions going on. So there's missions here, there's missions in all 220 countries of the world. So Elizabeth and I went all over the place and would travel, and it was interesting. I got a job, I was in business, and um, it was with a large national company to work with uh, some bunch of offices here in South Florida. I told him, I said, you just got to know, I travel three to four weeks a year on missions trips. He goes, what's missions trips? I go, and I told him and all the rest. It was kind of interesting. He said, you don't have to pay me if you don't want to, but I will be gone, not vacation, two or three, four weeks a year all over looking and giving money away and doing different things. And so we did that for years and years and years, long before I was a pastor here at church. And when I went, I was very frustrated because I would be pulled over here because someone would say, oh, come over here. And I'd come over here and we'd give money and do things. And then someone over here would say, come over here. And we'd come over here and we'd pull and we'd raise some money and we'd give money away and we'd do that. And then someone over here would say, no, come over here. And I was being pulled all over the world, which I kind of liked because I love traveling. So I kind of liked it, but it was really not good. And I was really frustrated thinking, I'm throwing a lot of money around and is it doing any good? Americans love to throw money around. Is it doing any good? And so I started talking to people, and I was everywhere. I was in the villages of India and the bush of Africa and the major cities of Asia and the big, beautiful cities of Latin America. And I asked people the same question. What are your needs? What is it that you need? And everyone said the same thing. Different words, different um, you know, categories, but they say the same thing. Can I give you the three things they all said? It's the same thing. People are the same everywhere. And I'm talking about missionaries, pastors, lay leaders, volunteers, high-capacity people all over the world, multiple languages, multiple cultures, non-Western, same three things, three basic things. Number one, that they were struggling spiritually because whatever they had learned in college or Bible school or little vacation schools or whatever they may have had, when they became a leader, no one was building into them. They were giving all out. So they were burning out. They were drying out. They were not spiritually being fed. I heard this everywhere, all over the world. Second thing I heard everywhere was people struggled with life's issues. We think we're the only ones who struggle with our marriages, with our families, with finances, with name it, whatever it may be. The whole world struggles with this. We think divorce is the only in America. Can I tell you, they may not divorce in India, but they are a lot of divorces and people still staying in the same homes. It is just unbelievable all over the world. They're struggling with life issues. And then the third one was leader development. They didn't have development of leadership. 
What do I mean by that? Around the world, not so much in the United States, but outside the United States, there are some incredible leaders that run ministries and foundations and orphanages and building projects all over the world, and then underneath them are a group of people that run it. They're the pastors and the workers and the helpers and the missionaries like this. And there's no one in between. There are no people kind of learning to become the leader. And so I was with a pastor, a leader one time, this is before I was the pastor here, and I'm talking to him and he had 40 some churches and like 39 schools underneath him. That's a lot of people in a little country that didn't have a lot of resources. And I was so proud of him. We were giving him money, giving him help. And I said, pastor, when something happens to you, who's going to take over? And he said these words, I don't know. I guess they'll have to figure it out when I die or get sick or can't work anymore. And that's when I realized that I wanted to work in that space. I wanted to work with people who were here that someday would be here. The 28-year-old, the 35-year-old, the 42-year-old. There's not a lot I can give to somebody who's 60 years old. They're already there, and if they're not there, it's too late or whatever. <laughs> I'm talking about running a ministry or something, right? <laughs> Goes to the next generation. And then there's all these, I don't want to work with someone who's just 19 or 20, I'm talking about in other countries because there's too many. I mean, we just can't do enough. So it's this. So I was frustrated. I said, these are the three things I'd love to do. Then 13 years ago, right now, in November, 13 years ago, the church had been without a pastor. The elders called on Elizabeth and me and the whole process of becoming the pastor here, which ended up in December 2009, 13 years ago, but started in late October, early November, right now. And I said to them, I said, we've really got to do something in the world. Now, many of you were here, many of you weren't. If you weren't here, our church was in dire straits financially. It was all but bankrupt. It was having problems. We were just kind of keeping this together. And very much like Boca Raton, where people drive big cars and they're broke, have you ever seen, yeah, there are people who are not poor, but broke. They drive and they, they, they have the Rolex, but can't pay their light bill, right? And you go, I don't get that. Well, we were a church with great buildings and no money. The bank was going to foreclose on us. Nobody knew it because look at these facilities. We got 20 acres and a great school and great and all that. And so I came to the elders and I said, we really got a strong, need to have a strong missions program. And I was beginning to share it and they were going, we got to pay the light bill. And I said, maybe if we start thinking of others, we'll be able to pay the light bill also. And can I say they bought into it? And you know what? We've been paying the light bills ever since. But we developed a strategy to work with people around the world, helping them spiritually helping them with life skills, helping them build their leadership and develop in that whole area. And can I just give you some of the statistics of it? So we're 13 years, less than 13 years in it. I went to John Lucas in uh, maybe it was January or February. He said, John, I got this great idea. I wasn't even called world lead. I said, he goes, I'm in. 
John Lucas has been a part of it, and others came a part of it, and you, many of you are a part of it. So we are now in 63 countries. 63. There's 220 countries. Just do the math. We help on a regular basis, meaning these are leaders of mission organizations and, and countries and regions, about 200 annually. We've helped about 518 leaders. And by helping means this is a three to five year process. This isn't just going to a, a weekend seminar and learning a little bit. This is traveling, journeying with people regularly for that. It's over 518. We're in, we have 10 different partners, 17 different regions, and it's, it's unbelievable what God is doing. And how do we pay for this? 10% of everything you give every single Monday you give it on Sunday or throughout the week in your online giving. On Monday, it goes into a, an accounting situation where that money goes outside of Boca Raton. It goes elsewhere. And it is an amazing thing that has happened. So when we were there the other day in Nepal, we told you about Singapore and Nepal last week. So what did we do? We, we built into these people. We had 25 couples there, 28 couples. We built into them spiritually. We had spiritual times, time alone with God, special times. We did a marriage seminar because marriages are struggling in this world. And so we did a marriage seminar. We did leader development seminars as well. So we did all three areas during that time as well. And it varies at different times. And people say, how can I get involved? How can you get involved? Let me give you two easy ways to get involved and one hard way to get involved. So I'll start with the hard way. Come on a trip with us. Now these are not to Club Med trips. This is not to Switzerland trips. This is to some hard places, but let me tell you, you will see the work of God when you do it. The 2023 trips will be coming out soon. You can come join us. We don't take a lot six, eight, 10 at a time, and you can really see God working and you can work in other people's lives. It is an amazing thing. That's the hard thing. Easy thing is two things. One is we bring the people together seven or eight times around the world in cohorts. They come together. These 60 countries come into a, a, a combined country. So we went to Nepal and in Nepal we had Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Myanmar, um, Bhutan, India, and Nepal all in one place, brought them all together. And so we bring them together. But we do one of those here in Boca Raton. It's in February. It's called the World Lead Summit. And if you would like to host a family, volunteer, pick people up at the airport, host with us, do a meal, anything around hospitality and meeting people and learning people, in the back, there'll be a, a table back there that says World Lead on it. Sign up and you can be a part of that. It's an incredible opportunity. Part two, the other easy thing is you can participate in a thing we call Starfish Treasure. Starfish Treasure, which comes out about now, it's all year long, but we do it around Christmas time, is where you can give for, to small things for our missionaries. Now, I call them partners because most of the world, we're not allowed to call them missionaries, so there are partners, same thing. But you can give to them. You can give them Bibles so they can give them away. You can give them all kinds of things, and we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks as we head to Christmas. And you can give as small as $10, as much as $10,000. You can do whatever you want and give to, and that's over and above. 
not the 10%, it's over and above, and it goes directly to the missionaries for whatever you have designated for it. It's been a fantastic operation. We've been doing it about 10 years, and about $50,000 a year goes to that that you all raise for that. We call it alternative giving instead of giving me a sweater or a tie, because I don't wear ties much anymore. Give to Starfish Treasure where it can be used somewhere else. So alternative giving. Now, how does this all work? Let me just tell you, and then I'm going to do the theology behind it. How does it work? So our goal is to train people so that they will train people. See, we don't just do it for them. We do it so that it can go down line. The Bible is big in generational faith. The fact that my faith builds into someone else's, who builds into someone else, who builds into someone else. We've talked about this a lot. Well, also in mission work, we want to not just build into this person, but so they can build into these people. So what's amazing is every once in a while we'll get a, a picture of an event going on in a place we've never been. There's been several in Hong Kong the last couple. We've never gone to Hong Kong. I've been there personally, but never with World Lead. And one of the places we've never gone, I want you to watch this video and see what's happening in this country. Watch this video. Praise God. I'm so blessed to be a part of the World Lead. And, and through World Lead, let me tell you, it really helps me to be a better leader in myself, for my team, for my organization, and for my country, Pakistan. Through World Lead, I, I, I able to understand the importance of leadership and it helps me to grow spiritually and to sharp my leadership skills and how to develop my team as well. Uh, uh, also this helps me how can I put myself in a, fit myself in a high capacity team and how can I develop the high capacity team for myself. Well it really helps me and it has a great impact in my life and, and in Pakistan we are developing leaders who are developing many other leaders as well and Volid is not only have an impact on my life but has in, has impact in uh, in hundreds of thousands of, of young people in Pakistan and so many pastors so many leaders over there in, in Pakistan they are benefiting and they are uh, encouraging by the Volid and in, 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 in Pakistan we have a different methods uh, that we are encouraging, we are doing the volley, like leaders to team, team to teams, and as Awana Pakistan, we have different partners, we are doing the uh, volley with different partners, uh, different organizations, and also using as a tool for in, on, on the special events as well, and I have seen the impact. I have seen so many leaders are coming and, and developing their self for the kingdom's sake. My heart is filled with gratitude and, and, and the thankfulness to the Lord and the Booker Church who are helping us and intentionally they are sharing their resource to be a better leader in ourselves and not for ourselves but our, for our community, for our country as well. Thank you for doing that. God bless you. So if you didn't understand, he's from Pakistan, that's Aftab, a great young man. In fact, he got married this weekend, beautiful thing. So he came to the marriage seminar. We were able to help him a little on the pre-marriage side. But you may not have heard what he said. There's over 100 
2,000 kids every single week that are being affected by the work of his team, which he said has been trained because of World Lead. So you have your hands, it's actually 110,000 kids right now, every single week in a country where it's not even allowed to do it. Pakistan, I've never been to Pakistan. I've been all over that region, but I haven't been to Pakistan yet. It's an amazing thing, and this is all over the world. There are hundreds of thousands of people affected because of the gifts and the work that you have done here at Boca Raton Community Church. Now, the question is, why do we do it? I mean, because of me or I'm emotional about people around the world. No, there is a reason why we do it, and it's out of the Bible. And I want you to turn. There's so many passages. We could be all over the Bible over the next few minutes. But turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 44, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Elizabeth's going to read for us. Before I read, I just want to encourage you to jump into word lead. Don't stay on the sidelines looking in, cheering for others who are doing it. I just want to tell you the joy that you will have will be immeasurable. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, and while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1 as Luke continues this part of the story. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Thank you, Elizabeth. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24, if you have your finger there, and we'll go back to Acts chapter 1. This is a time Jesus had uh, risen from the dead. He had uh, been crucified. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And now he had just left the two men from Emmaus. You remember the story of the road to Emmaus? I've preached on it so many times. I'm not going to talk about that, but it's a key part preceding verse 44. And after that, he appeared to the disciples. And that's where we're at in verse 44. And he says, these are my words. I spoke to you while I was still with you. And he starts saying, he tells them things that he has been telling them for the last three and a half years. Now, here's what's important. This is interesting. And I relate this to us today. Every single person in this room and every single person listening or who will listen in the future of this has some orientation to Jesus Christ. You have to like him in some way. You know, if not, you wouldn't be here. Forget belief for a minute. You just kind of like Jesus. And why not? He healed the sick. He spoke great sayings. He did great things. He developed great understandings. He was a great leader. All these cool, cool things that were going on and all. And then he dies. What was amazing about that death is the 12 disciples known as apostles later on, the 70 disciples, the thousands who were always around him, right? There was the feeding of the 5,000, the thousands who were always around him weren't there when he was crucified. There were four named people who were there when he was crucified. The disciple John and three women, Mary, his mother, Mary, the, the wife of Clopas, and another Mary, probably Mary Magdalene. There were four people there. Now, there may have been some back in the crowds, but sitting in the front, willing to die and willing to be recognized and willing to be stated, there were only four. So he went from thousands to 70 to 12 to four. And that was it. And he dies. And then he's buried. And then what happened? What happened? He rose from the dead. Didn't we sing that this morning? And then when he rose from the dead, he got back with the 12 and the 70 and eventually the thousands. What was the difference? And it's right here. He says, these are the things. You need to know this, people, is what he's saying to the disciples. We don't know how many were in the room. Was it just the 12 or was it the 70? It was very crowded. So it could have been as many as the 70 are reassembling. They're afraid. They don't know what's going on. And he starts teaching to them saying, I'm in the law of Moses. I'm in the prophets. I am in the Psalms. In other words, the entire scripture was written about me, says Jesus. And they begin to get it. You see, he talked about the kingdom of God before. Sermon on the Mount, the first sermon he ever gave was about the kingdom of God. He's been talking about the kingdom of God for three and a half years, but it's not until after he rose from the dead that they were beginning to get it. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Somehow they were closed 
minded about realizing that Jesus Christ, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he means it. Thus it is written that the Christ, verse 46, this is key, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all generations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but wait until you are clothed with power on high. Can I give you three very basic things? Very simple. This is Christianity, Christ following 101. Number one, Salvation is in Christ alone. Salvation is in Christ alone. It's not in Bill. It's not in Boca community. It's not in the good things your family has done. All those are good and all those are great and all those are wonderful and keep doing them. But your salvation, my salvation, and the salvation of everyone who has been saved is through Jesus Christ alone. That's number one. Number two in here, he says in verse 47, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. There's a sense of, there's a positive side to salvation and there's a negative side to salvation. Okay, the negative side is you gotta repent. The positive side is you get forgiveness. It's a simultaneous thing that happens. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you repent and you are forgiven. It's a beautiful thing. It's a negative and a positive occurring at the same time. You have repented in your belief and you have been forgiven from your sins. Thus, you have been saved. That is what salvation is. And he says, it is to all nations. Now, he says this in the Gospels. He doesn't wait to the epistles to say this to all nations. This was radical. Everyone thought back then that salvation came to Israel. The reality is, and the Bible tells us, that salvation comes through Israel, not to Israel. Yes, Israel will be saved, those who follow Jesus Christ. You can be Jew or Gentile, but he came here to go here. Does that make sense? Here's the thing in modern times. God gives it to us so that we can give it to others. God does not give it to us so that we can keep it. We are not a lake. We are a river. We are to give it back out. Now, here's the amazing thing. Let me give you just a a quick stat, and then we'll go to the third one. Quick stat is this. When we were in Asia... We were looking at world trends, the trends of the world. What are the trends of the world? And there are several trends. Let me give you one or two of them. First of all, one of the world trends is the world's cultures, that means the multiple cultures of the world, which there are hundreds if not thousands of cultures, are becoming more secular. We talk about the United States becoming more secular. Name any country in the world, save maybe two or three, and they're all becoming more secular. Which means the next generation is leaving the faith of their parents. Hindus are leaving the faith of their parents. 
Muslims are leaving the faith of their parents. Buddhists are leaving the faith of their parents. Do you see that? It's happening all over the world. It's not just Christian kids are leaving, losing the faith of their parents. It is happening all over the world. The positive side to that, there's a negative side to that, especially among us Christ followers, but the positive side is this. You can talk to anybody of any religion in the world and talk to them about Jesus Christ. We have this sense that we can no longer, we can't talk to Hindus about Jesus because they're pantheists and they have a thousand gods and we have one God. We can't talk to the Muslims because, you know, it's Allah versus Jehovah. We can't talk to them and we can't talk to the Jews because they haven't accepted the Messiah and we can't talk, you know, do you have this? So we get to talk to this rare little group of former Christians and we can talk to them about Christ or, you know, from other, so what we do is we sheep, steal sheep. We go to the Catholic church and steal them and we go over here to the Presbyterian church and steal them and we go over here to the Baptist church and steal them because we can talk to them about Jesus because at least they got something about Jesus. But let me tell you, you can talk to any single person in the world about Jesus. Please understand that. It is amazing. This week, it was interesting, this week, um, I was out, uh, last Sunday, I was outside in the lobby and talking to some people, and I shared with a couple of friends, they're here, I said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm meeting a buddy of mine who they knew, it was a guy who lives in another country, and uh, he was visiting, he was passing through, and he was going to come by on um, Monday or Tuesday this week, and I said, do you guys want to come too? Because I knew they knew him, and they said, yes. So, and he's not a follower of Jesus. But he's a friend of ours, a friend of mine, a friend of theirs. I knew it. So we're in my office the other day. It was amazing. I love these guys, these two guys. You're here. Thank you. All three of us were trying to lead them to Jesus. It was like, it was unbelievable. I had an attorney talking about Pascal's wager, and some, the other one was talking about his personal testimony and how he had formerly believed in Judaism, and now he's a follower of Christ, all this stuff. You know what the guy said to me? us? He said, the Christians killed six million Jews. How do you respond to that? Now, I have a response, but it's a response from here up. There is a response, because Christians didn't kill six million Jews. And there, but the appearance of the Lutheran slash Catholic Church in Germany and Eastern Europe and the, so, and the um, German bloc back then did. Italy, parts of France, et cetera, parts of Spain. How do you respond to that? And you know what it was? It was a smokescreen on his part. I get it. But here's what's interesting, because we talked about it afterwards, that that smokescreen doesn't exist in later generations. Jewish kids that are now five generations from World War II are not thinking about World War II. They're thinking about getting that next BMW, <laughs> whether they can afford it or not. And I'm not mocking them. So are the Gentile kids. The point is this. You can talk about Jesus to all the nations. Do not think you can only talk to, about Jesus to people that in some way are around Jesus. And here's the third thing, here's the why of it. So let me just repeat, salvation is in Christ alone. 
Salvation is for all the nations, and here's the most important part. Salvation is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, turn over to Acts chapter 1. So we bring this around. So Acts, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts, so it's a continuation. So what he said at the end of Luke, he is now over the first eight or ten verses making a more extracted conversation about it. And this is interesting. I'm just going to go over two phrases. In chapter, verse 3 of chapter 1 of Acts, he said, And Christ presented himself alive to them, the disciples, after he suffered, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Then if you go down a couple of verses to verse 6, the question the disciples ask Jesus is, are you coming back for the kingdom of Israel? Do you see that? He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. They're talking about their home. And what I find, and we go, oh, wow, these are idiots. No, these are just normal people. Don't we just pray for ourselves so many times? Don't we only care for ourselves? Aren't we only worried about the United States of America and the way it's going or the way it's not going? And aren't we worried about the election that's going on in two weeks? And we should be. But are you worried about the elections in Haiti? Are you worried about the elections in Great Britain? Are you worried about the elections in Pakistan? Are you worried about the election? No, because we're worried about the United States. Why? Because we're Americans and we worry about ourselves. And Jesus is saying, Jesus didn't even answer him. He's like, guys, I've been with you for 40 days and I'm talking about the kingdom. Go to all the nations. Yes, we're going to start in Jerusalem. Why did they start in Jerusalem? Because that's where they were. If they had been standing in Galilee, it'd say, start in Galilee. They started in Jerusalem because that's where they were, right? Mount of Olives, right outside the city. We start here in America just because we're physically in America, but please understand, number one, go to the world. Number two, the world's coming to us. You don't have to go far to see the world, and it's, how do we do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit was promised to the disciples, was he not? Did the Holy Spirit come? Yes or no? I need it louder. Yes. Yes. Are we promised the Holy Spirit? No. Sorry. I had to wake you up. It's almost over. We are not promised the Holy Spirit. He's already here. We are promised that Jesus is coming back again. That's our promise. Their promise was that the Holy Spirit's coming. We have the Holy Spirit, for goodness sakes. What are you waiting for? The Holy Spirit's not coming tomorrow. Well, I'll start sharing Jesus next month. The Holy Spirit is already here. Jesus may come back the next month. He might come back tomorrow. He might come back in a 1,000 years. I have no idea because the Bible says we do not know the time or the seasons. Anybody tells you the time or the seasons, run away from them. But do know this, the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and by his spirit, we shall be successful. Not successful like making more money, but understanding, first of all, that it is well with our soul individually, but that we have an opportunity to share Christ. And this church, and you've heard me say it many times, 
This church, if you come to this church, Boca Community Church on 4th Avenue in Boca Raton, Florida, you're going to get some great worship. You're going to get a great sermon. Your kids are going to be taken well. You're going to get some donuts afterwards and coffee and lemonade. But you're going to learn about the world. If you only want a good sermon, good worship, your kids taken well care of and donuts after church, go somewhere else. Because you are going to be asked to reach into this world almost every week, if not every week, that there are things that we need to do to reach into this community of Boca, to reach into this county of Palm Beach and Broward County where we all live, and to reach into the many parts of this world. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's do something about it. Now, why don't we do it? This is the end. Why don't we do it? Let me share a story as we end this. Because this, this, this brings it down home. I was 20 years old. I was going into business. I was at a friend's house. And her mother was there. And I was telling her, well, what are you going into, Bill? What are you going to be? And I told her what I was going to be. And you know what she said? You'll never be successful at it. This is the mother telling me, 20 years old, going into business, you'll never be successful. I said, why? She goes, oh, you're too nice. Business is too hard. You know, she gave me all these like cute little answers, but she, that stuck with me and stood on my shoulder every single time I lost a deal. Oh, you're not good enough. Every single time I didn't make a quota, you're not good enough. Every single time I missed a call and didn't make the sale, and I was a salesperson, all those kind of things, her voice, and she died right after that. It was not not like she's alive saying it over and over again, but I heard her voice telling me, you'll never make it, you'll never make it, you'll never make it, you'll never make it. I was 45 years old, having heard that voice multiple times every week for 25 years, and Somehow, my partners and I ended up with making the biggest deal in South Florida that year. We got this big award, and as I was walking up getting the award, you know what I did? I did this. And if there was a photograph of it, I went like this. You were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. We have been told that we should not share Jesus Christ. On our shoulder is someone, something, somewhere in the past. Oh, you shouldn't share Jesus. You work at a school. You shouldn't share Jesus. You work at a business. You shouldn't share Jesus. You're, this is a secular condominium we live in. You shouldn't share Jesus. Too many Jewish people here. They shouldn't share Jesus. There's too many secular people here. And this voice is on your shoulder. You know what you need to do? You need to go like this. Go like this, because in you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is the Spirit of God. So, you got something negative on your shoulder, you got the Spirit of God in your heart, and we're listening to the person on our shoulder and not the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, and I will be with you till the end of the age. That's what our faith is. That's why we do world lead. That's why we look outside. And you know what? I love all of you, but can I just say, I also love all of them. Because Christ died for you, Christ died for them. You know about it, and they don't. 
And our job is to let them know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you believe that? So today's invitation is just this. Go do it. And if you need to knock something off your shoulder, knock it off your shoulder. If you need prayer, come forward for prayer afterwards. Carl's going to come up right now. He's going to share some exciting things. And then we're going to sing and be done. Come up afterwards for prayer. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is at all, if you only know the Jesus before the resurrection, the miracles, the good sermons, treat others like you want to be treated, Jesus, you are missing the real Jesus. It's the Jesus after the resurrection, when the Spirit of God comes. That's the Jesus we believe in. That's the Jesus we serve. And that's the Jesus we share with other people. Do you believe that? If you don't know this Jesus, we know you know this Jesus, but if you don't know this Jesus, come on down. We've got people that would love to share that with you afterwards. God bless you.